Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rents, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. So, Eric, the next time that we sit down to record this podcast, we will be new men. Oh, boy. Having watched the first oh episode boy. of season seven of Game of Thrones, how are you feeling? Wow. The seventh season. I mean, seven kingdoms, seven blessings, <laughs> seven gods. This is it. So you think this should be an auspicious season for them? Oh, very auspicious. All right. In the spirit of that and uh, some of our some of our gambling ideas here, I've got some uh, some over unders that might go into the first episode. Curious to see where you come down on these, and we'll uh, we'll reevaluate these next week. Point number one: Everyone's been talking about it. Dragons. What is the over under on human killings by a dragon in episode one? And I'm going to give you a little weird one here, so that we probably end up having a bitter argument next week. I'm going to put it at 0.5 armies. Erroneous. Erroneous <laughs> on all counts. No, it's it's under. I, none armies. None armies will be killed. Maybe some navies. No. Maybe the marines. Maybe the air force. I don't know, but no army. How about this one? Flashbacks. 0.5. I would take the over. Yeah, you leave me in a tough spot, but I'm I'm okay with the under there. So I'm going to say no flashbacks, all present day. Brand warging into someone doesn't count. I mean, different timeline obviously counts, but brand warging, right, right. brand warging into an animal, same timeline, blah blah blah. Okay. Yeah, same timeline. Yeah. Speaking of Bran, over under on scenes with him. Let's just put it at a straight one. Under. You don't think we're gonna see Bran? Nope. Ooh, I'm I'm taking it. I'm taking the over. We're gonna see Bran. Oh, this guy. Bran is there. Bran is doing something. It's going to be good. I feel like I'm just trying to get in the mind of the producers and Mr. Martin, and I think that they're going to leave him out. I don't think you're right, but we'll see. We'll reevaluate. All right. Over under, a little challenging here, glasses of wine poured. Now, this means that we both have to pay careful attention to the episode. We put it at eight. Oof, that's... If we have to pay close attention, that's going to limit the number of glasses of wine I pour. <laughs> yeah, this is glasses of wine poured in the show, not you while watching the show. Just to clarify. Oh, darn. <laughs> I thought I could get an easy four in there. <laughs> a little handicap. Um, I think over. Uh, I could see a path to that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the under. This is going to be a serious, focused episode. No nice. wine. No time for wine pouring. And of course... Of course, would not be Game of Thrones, would not be on HBO if we didn't predict the number of female breasts that we are going to see in this episode. Let's set it at five. I'm going to take the under. I think under is the smart play, but I'm, I'm taking the over. I'm going to take the over. I feel good about this. All right. Well, 
it is it is the all-star break so baseball is a little short but we still found a couple nuggets that we wanted to hit upon this week you uh you big fan of uh brent honeywell i am a big fan of the screwball (laughs) have you seen his his screwball i you know i hadn't seen it before you put it on here and then i watched a (laughs) watched a couple clips of him in the futures game (laughs) that is something else yeah that is that is messy uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. I mean, I, he's not the kind of player that I would want to invest in, but he's kind of a fun oddity, right? Yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna say that if he actually turns out to be a good pitcher, that whatever catcher can actually catch him has probably makes a ticket to the stamps, a ticket to the majors by just sticking with him. Um, a couple other outing notes yesterday, Clayton Kershaw throws a Maddox. I'd be remiss if we nice. didn't take every opportunity to point out what has got to be one of my favorite stats. A Maddox, of course, being a complete game with thrown with less than 100 pitches. Pretty rare. Yeah, very rare. Complete game shutout? No, it was not even. That's the crazier part. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, no, I mean, he, uh, he's good. He's, he's good. Uh, Masahiro Tanaka also threw one earlier this year, just to let you know. The number the number is typically somewhere between five and ten in a given in a given year. So I think we're I think we're sitting at two right now. A little hard to track this stat down. Um I might have to let the crawler loose on this question, but we'll keep you posted. Yeah, we'll have to. If we see any others. Those advanced queries. Yeah. And uh you wanna you wanna highlight a couple things about stolen bases again. Well, as soon as we talked about stolen bases, things had to happen. Uh, it was sort of like the Queen of Thorns uh, at the, what is it, King Joffrey's wedding, mentioning that, w- mentioning all the deaths at weddings, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, foreboding. And apparently, me mentioning that Springer didn't have any, any stolen bases meant that he had to steal some. And me mentioning that Blackman wasn't stealing enough bases meant that he had to steal three, three in a week. He hadn't done that. All season, you know? Now, just bringing back together this this uh, Game of Thrones thing, you know that the Queen of Thorns, of course, conspired to kill the king. So are you conspiring exactly. with with George Springer and Charlie Blackman? No idea what you, why you would, because neither of those is on your team. I mean, I send the podcast to the <laughs> Houston Astros every single week. I don't know if they listen or not. Format's a little different today. We're going to intermix our two segments. What we are deciding to do today is to do a deep dive on some pitchers and hitters that we don't normally talk about, the good ones. Normally, Eric and I are sitting in sort of the roughly middle to bottom, guys that we think might give you an edge in your league. Today, nope, we're going to skim the cream, and we're going to start with pitchers. Well, we do have one guy. We do have, we have, well, I mean, we have two guys in here that we'll have to decide if they're uh, fool's gold. Yeah, we'll get to that. All right. Well, we'll talk you through these. The pitchers coming up first. Here we go. We're going to talk about Clayton Kershaw, Corey Kluber, and Tywin Walker. Tywin Walker. <laughs> Tywin yeah. Walker? Tywin. Shit's gold. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Eric, quick here. Just off the top of your head, who's your number one fantasy pitcher option? Oh, it's definitely Clayton Kershaw. And the the gap kind of reminds me of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy when he's describing the universe and he's like, 
in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, they say, like, the universe is very big, just so big that you can't even start to comprehend it. Like, you think that walking down to the grocery store is a long way? Now, the universe is giant. And that's really the difference between Clayton Kershaw and everybody else. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I tend to agree with you, but let me, let me try and play the other side a little bit here. You're not, you don't see a case for Max Scherzer or Chris Sale? On a given year, I do. And I guess that is sort of um, wrapped up in the keeper-centric idea that you and I um, kind of present this podcast in, in just kind of the reliability mm. of, of Kershaw over the other options. So Scherzer, the last, last three years has been challenging. I don't think Sale is a long-term solution. I don't think Sale is either. You know, I, I put in I put in just the rough stat lines here. And, you know, they're all pretty comparable. The only thing that's that's giving me pause right now is is it kind of depends on how you weight uh K's because both Scherzer and Sale are, I would say, in mm-hmm. a different different um echelon than Kershaw even for strikeouts. That is true, yeah. They are a half step above him. So I, I'm not sure what to do with that. That said, I still am going to propose that when we are working on Fawar that we tune it to Kershaw at number one. We can definitely try to do that. But I did sort of the analysis that we talked about last week when we looked at when I looked at plate appearances and I just looked at Clayton Kershaw's what happens every time somebody scores, what does it actually look like? Mm-hmm. He might he's got a little bit of a homer problem right now. He does, yeah. I've heard, I've heard this too. He's got already surpassed his number from from last year, right? I mean, yeah. In June nineteenth, he gave up four home runs in one game. Two of them to Jose Reyes. Not exactly like Mister Free Swing and Power Hitter. Oh boy, yeah. What year is it? This is kind of, this is kind of crazy. You know, we both agreed he's he's our definitive fantasy ace, and here we are talking him down. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's hard is I think that what that comes from is that both you and I could could be perfectly fine with him being third this year, or maybe even fourth, and <laughs> still say he's the best. He's the best pitcher mm-hmm. in the league, right? I no, I I totally agree with you. And the most valuable pitcher, especially in a keeper league. Yeah, no, I mean, there's there's definitely a big case to be made for the keeper league and the consistency. But now you've you've teased the guy that you might think about possibly ranking ahead of him at the end of the year. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Give it to me. Talk me through Corey Kluber. Oh yeah. Here you are talking about Scherzer and Sale, <laughs> but what about another ace? So here's just a stat line right now. Seven wins. That's not that's not amazing. Two point eight ERA, under one whip, one hundred twenty three Ks in just ninety three point three innings. Because he's uh, he was on the DL for a little bit. He's our number nine pitcher in four, and that's taking into account that Norris and Iglesias are ahead of him just because of the mm. closer, the closer starting pitcher um, boost that they get. I'm yeah, I'm frankly shocked that he's that low. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, he's he missed a bunch of games. You're talking about Kershaw having 19 games, and he's. He's got 14, so he's added up that value, even missing time, even missing like five, four or five games worth of time. Yeah, I mean, he missed a whole month, so his his starts went, just looking at these charts, his starts went, he pitched on May 2nd, and then he didn't pitch again until June 1st. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a big, 
you know, formative month in terms of baseball to miss. And I will say I made the same charts of the strike fraction and pitchers per batter. You don't see any sort of hitch in these, which suggests to me that he resolved his issue while he was on the DL. And we still see the real legit pitcher. And then I even have a I even have a slight case for progression for him because he's got a super high Babbitt right now. And his left on base is is a little bit higher than some of the others. So I mean I, I could see a path. I mean he's got a he will always have a slightly higher uh, walks per nine, mm-hmm. but he's got a path for even you know making better, um, making better numbers going going forward. Yeah, I mean he's he's definitely a workhorse when he's not on the the DL, and and that actually you know I just this is a maybe an aside that that we won't keep, but um, in our league he's being employed in a really interesting way which is as a surefire innings eater to keep your ear and whip down there's there's a definite element of how to strategically use these top tier pitchers to their full advantage yeah I'm excited about Kluber but he uh, he is a half step behind those other pitchers definitely but price wise I bet you get him for a whole step less expensive exactly which is why yeah in drafts remember that he could fall he should fall after those you know first and what it really and we're forgetting about one even two guys who probably went before him in drafts thor and bumgarner yeah he's and we're saying that he's a step behind the top three pitchers this year he's still you know he's still in that conversation so you know, for next year and in trade talks as other leagues are going towards their trade deadline, mm-hmm. he's a guy to, to think about if you can if you can grab him. All right, our last guy here, <laughs> Tywin Walker. You know, if this was last year, I'd be going to the mat to talk about him. Mm-hmm. But this is uh, this is 2017, which means that you're in charge of running this. He's dead to me. He's dead to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, when he was sent down to the minors, well, I think he was sent to the DL with an inflated ERA <laughs> and then to the minors because he basically was just didn't have the will to win. Yes. <laughs> you know, that was a that was a bad sign. Uh Tywin Walker, um unsure if he's a relative of Tywin Lannister. He's in he's a definitely a step below and he at the very beginning of the season, he was playing like he was playing like an ace, but he's definitely not. He's definitely not there yet. His stats right now: six wins, three six five ERA, one point three five WHIP, seventy two Ks in eighty one innings. I mean, that's the thing that I think is surprising to me. You know, we did that analysis last year about Julio, mm-hmm. Julio Tehran, and whether he was elite enough and i had to you know begrudgingly say no and that was really because his strike his strikeouts were just not high enough and this is another player that his strikeout total is just not high enough for i think the value that's put on him as a as a pitcher and i think that era could go up I, I agree with that. I mean, that's that's something that we've, we've highlighted that. I mean, we've mentioned that in the podcast before about Walker, wondering whether this was going to be sustainable. 
and we've talked about it in the context of this move to Arizona, whether it would help or hurt. I think I'm pretty sure we both came down on the side that it was going to hurt, but I think this even hurt maybe a little bit more than we thought. Right, long term, yeah, I'd rather be pitching in Safeco probably then. Just doesn't bring enough to the table. And that that's shown in the clustering analysis that I, did, I, sh- I showed you. He's like right on the cusp of um, that second tier of Ooh. players where they kind of they kind of jut out into different clusters where some of them are usable and some of them are very unusable. He looks like he's where maybe three to four clusters meet. Yeah. In here, and I I can see some of these clusters are not ones that you'd want to be in. No, he's just a guy. He's just a guy. Yeah. That's I mean that's disappointing. He's still he's still young. Maybe he'll maybe he'll figure it out. But for for your playoff stretch, I absolutely would not count on him. Don't count on him. Having him on your team that doesn't mean get rid of him. Mm. But yeah, don't count on him as being able to do what he did at the beginning of the year. That's right. Or improve. I mean, maybe we should have prefaced this this whole podcast a little bit differently by saying, you know, now we're really you really need to depend on your proven surefire players. Definitely. And we're going to talk about that. At least I'm going to mention that again when we get when we come back in the second half to talk about batters. That sound quality means that one of us is on the road again. Here's an outtake. He definitely has to be a squash of some sort. Like he's right now he's like one of those like really warty gourds. Oh yeah, maybe he's a gourd. And you're not sure. Yeah, don't don't eat him. Like you you know you peel you peel back some of the outer layers and you find out what. No, really... you just let him dry out <laughs> and then you shake him around and then he's a little rattle. You're, for a baby. you're saying he's purely ornamental. Purely ornamental. <laughs> I mean, he kind of is purely no, ornamental. No substance. We left off the first half talking about looking into the playoff run and the stretch here. And I think that actually our hitters, at least our first one, continue that conversation a little bit. So first, I'm going to talk about Ryan Zimmerman. Then I'm going to turn to Cody Bellinger, who I don't even think we've even mentioned his name on the podcast yet. And then Eric is going to recap um, some stuff that we talked about that we actually ended up cutting from the last podcast on Carlos Correa. So Ryan Zimmerman, he was one of the hottest starts to the year and he's really cooled off now. Just quick, right off the bat, what do you view his role as right now in fantasy? I think that you, if you have him on your team, it's because he had that hot start, and you probably just kept him. Um, hopefully, you didn't trade for him. Mm-hmm. But his role really is to play to play first base and hope that as he cools off, so does the rest of the, of the position. That's a that's an interesting strategy. I mean, I'm I'm coming at this because I'm I'm worried for anyone who listens to this who owns Ryan Zimmerman right now, who you rode his early success, and now as that falls off, your whole team's production is looks like it's slowing. Yeah. So I'm not sure what you do because I don't think that we've identified anyone who's having a corresponding warming up. Yeah, I, we haven't found anyone like that. And all the players that we have sort of, like, mentioned, like, ooh, this guy is, like, starting to look really interesting, like Michael Taylor. Mm-hmm. Just go jump right on the DL. Yeah. But we actually, you know, we were hot on, we were high on him before, and we've been high on talking about him, at least between the two of us, for a few years, talking about one of the ways that we characterized him on an earlier podcast was saying that when he's healthy, 
he's an all-star. Yes. You know, he is, he's an all-time, he's one of the, one of the greats that's playing right now. And that's why we, I think, were keen to mention him over uh, Thames, was that mm-hmm. we knew that even if he fell off, it would be to be a usable fantasy player. No, you you make a great point because where where is Thames now? I mean, he's he's way down the list. Right, exactly. As I famously said, Bernie Brewer better enjoy his slides at the time. I hope he did. I, I sure hope he did too. I mean, Ryan Zimmerman, you know, nineteen first half home runs. That's nothing nothing to to hate on. I mean, he's got sixty three RBIs right now, fifty two runs. I mean, that's. That's good if you distributed it evenly over the whole first half. You'd be happy with that, right? Yeah, but he might be. He's definitely slowing down a little bit. And I mean, who can blame him if he gets to if he gets over 140 games? I'll still be surprised. <laughs> Is it crazy of me to think that we might see a second half resurgence? I I mean, he's not going to be that player that he was the first couple of weeks. I'll accept that, and it's interesting. I don't know if you if you looked at this there. I did a comparison of these three three batters by their uh-huh. rolling average exit velocity, and uh, you can see there's this big spike in Ryan Zimmerman's that corresponds to just when he's just going off. That is amazing. Wow. He had a stretch of you know a hundred ish batted balls where the average velocity was close to a hundred, which is. 10 miles per hour faster than the league average. <laughs> I mean, that's that's remarkable. And significantly faster than than he was hitting it for most of the season. That's definitely right. So maybe a better question is what to expect from Ryan Zimmerman going down the playoff stretch. Do you think that do you think that the numbers that I just rattled off, you know, saying that he's sitting at 19 home runs, 52 runs, 63 RBIs, do you think you can expect those realistically in the second half just more spread out? Or do you think that we need to knock those all by, say, 20%? Say that he's going to hit 14 home runs, 40 runs, and 45 RBIs. 20% is exactly what I would talk <laughs> Okay. So that's still that's still a really usable guy, but you you can't depend on him as somebody to carry your team. What about... Cody Bellinger here. Now, we have a different sort of problem in trying to analyze him, which is that we don't have the proven track record where we don't have all of the batted balls that we have for Ryan Zimmerman, where we know how he behaves generally when he's healthy. We're stuck with just what he's done this year, basically. And it looks like, you know, if you look at his rolling average, okay, it's maybe a little higher than league average. Um, if you look at his spray chart, I'm a little concerned that he's only got power to one field. What do you think yep. looking at this? Well, the fr- <laughs> yeah, the, this is not the spray chart of an elite baseball player. I, I wonder if they play the, put the shift on for him. <laughs> this is the type of thing where you could start to expect to see the shift against him, I bet. When I was first aware of Cody Bellinger was because um, the, what was it, Baseball Savant posted a um, a batted ball chart, which was one of the ones which is from the catcher's perspective. Mm-hmm. And it was like <laughs> Cody Bellinger set the, set the record 
for the highest batted home run. And then wow. it was just like the comment was like, and then Mark Trumbo and then he says, Mark Trumbo said, hold my beer. And then hit one that was <laughs> oh, like yes. a foot higher. <laughs> that was, I remember that too. That was amazing. Which if Mark Trumbo is your comp, I mean, that's, that's not a really, really high ceiling. I, I have a couple things, a couple things to say to to possibly defend him here, which is one, he's got he's got oh two positions of eligibility, so you yep. you at least can get him in. Um, you might be able to sneak him in the lineup in a couple more ways. Definitely helpful. The other the other thing, I mean, I I like the lineup that he's in a lot. <laughs> yes, yes, a very good lineup to be in. He is really a three true outcomes kind of guy. And yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't think. I don't think either of us is is too hot on three true outcomes kind of guys. Um, you know what? If I was on a team that was just all all power, like unlimited power, if you were named after the Sith Lord Chain <laughs> Power, then maybe I would go for it. But if you want to have a a well rounded team, no. <laughs> yeah, he's he's not Mister Well Rounded Team, and not for the price that you're gonna have to pay. And this is another thing to think about yeah. is what's the price that you have to pay for this guy? And it's, you know, he's in the, he's what, a top 20 player right now? Yeah, steep, steep price. Well, let's talk about somebody that is a well-rounded player. Oh, yeah. Sell me on Carlos Correa. Well, uh, he wears an Astros uniform. There you go. <laughs> yeah. He's worth it. And over. Good. Let's wrap this segment. Analysis. Yeah. Done. <laughs> Well, we part of the reason that we decided to do these deep dives was that last week during the, the Stolen Bases segment, I was trying to uh, get Mike to guess who I was talking about because I was very surprised at his differential between his projected Stolen Bases and his uh, current Stolen Base mm-hmm. pace, which is he's like 16 Stolen Bases off of his pace because he has zero stolen bases it is very machado-esque it is very machado-esque but he is knocking the leather off the ball he has 20 home runs 65 rbis he's batting 325 he's stealing he's maybe striking out a little bit more than you would want but geez uh, this is the at shortstop this guy is doing this from shortstop so this is a super valuable guy you know what's crazy about him <laughs> is that he is less than a year older than Cody Bellinger. Right, and he and it feels like we've been talking about him now. This is third year that we've been talking about him as. A, yeah, that he's that he's gotten appreciable plate appearances. I mean, even he got 432 plate appearances in 2015. You yeah. know, more or less full season and he he came right out of the gate as a top-tier performer. Yeah, I mean, he's good. The only problem with him, here again, is he's not going to steal you bases. So it's like the the Machado conundrum of last year. If, you're, if you have him slated to get you 15 and he's getting you none, you have to figure out your stolen bases somewhere. Else. Yes. Because he's not going to just turn it on. And I think that it's pretty clear, even Springer last week got a couple of stolen bases. But I don't think... I think based on where they're what they're trying to do with Correa, he's he's not going to be stealing bases at, at a at a 15, 
15 stone base pace. Yeah, I I think that's true. I mean, I think they've just decided that that's not not the role that they want him to be in. I mean, and we talked about this. We talked. We've talked about this ad nauseum about what lineup order means for what you can expect out of guys. And I don't think either of us necessarily thought of him as a stereotypical cleanup hitter. No, I I, I wouldn't have thought that. I wouldn't have thought that. But then you look at their lineup. And he's got, he has to fill that role. That's his role. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're not going to put Altuve as your leadoff hitter, which he really shouldn't be, he's got to be second. And then you have Springer, who should be third. I, yeah. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very interesting set of circumstances that, that have led to this before. Well, you want to wrap this sucker up? I do, and uh, you know this is this is breaking news for the two of us. But uh, Aaron Judge winning the home run derby—did that feel pretty preordained? It it really <laughs> did, especially when I got the notification on my phone that Juan Carlo hadn't made it out of the first round. I was like, "Oh, buddy, yeah." Judge is doing this. I mean, to be fair, just looking at the the distances that Aaron Judge hit these—I mean, he he crushed multiple more than five hundred foot home runs. So. Uh, Pretty hard to compete with that. <laughs> he did, I will say, good showing from Miguel Sano, though. He was the, He's the runner-up. That's good. Well, that's bad also because, you know, it screws up your swing or whatever. Tends to, be, tends to be not good in that. But I have to say, you know, this is the second year that they've been doing this, um, this bracket style. Are you a fan of the wrinkles in the Home Run Derby or no? Uh... No, because I, when I watch it, it's, I just don't understand what's happening. But yes, because they might as well change it up. I guess. I mean, I'm not sure exactly what I'm ever really looking for when I watch the Home Run Derby. I mean, other than just being like, man, that guy hit that baseball really far. <laughs> but I guess, you know, the gist is still there just to hit as many home runs as possible. Yeah, I mean, that's it's always going to come down to that. Just like every single dunk contest will come down to who can dunk. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's that's really true. It's going to be sad to watch Zach Levine do it this year on a different team, but that's neither here nor there. So, do we think Aaron Judge is gonna is gonna regress in the second half? Then? I do, and that's part of the reason that I didn't um, want to want to use one of my uh, three players on him in our in our previous outings. I don't know. We'll see. We shall see. Okay, I think that brings us to the review session. Oh, I see that you've selected from from the options flatbread. Yeah, I, I, I'm wondering if that if that is too much of a giveaway. When you put up three options and I pick one, does that automatically mean that I'm going to like it or dislike it in your mind? I I don't know. I'm I'm curious. Is it foodie enough for you? It makes me angry that things are called flatbreads. <laughs> When it's essentially a, a personal pizza. Yeah, it's just a pizza. Like, why are we calling them artisan flatbreads now? I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, right, all right. Ludicrous name. Let let us agree on that point. I mean, I... Okay, go for it. The actual food. Uh, the actual food? What do you think? Well, it's just a pizza. I love pizza. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, all right. I mean, is it that... Is it that maybe as a, you know, semantic person here... I should appreciate the fact that we're differentiating the classical idea of pizza from the trends of just putting a bunch of stuff on pizza dough and calling it pizza. Yeah. <laughs> I do kind of 
in some ways, I do prefer it. If it's got to be like a chicken pesto, Alfredo, <laughs> make it a flatbread. Definitely make it a flatbread. I just don't, you know, maybe flatbread is something that I'll learn to use in my everyday parlance, but I just don't feel good about seeing it on a menu. I always like seeing it. No. And then, yeah, I, I like seeing it and then forgetting what it is and then ordering it and being like, oh, Oh, yeah, this is just pizza, isn't it? Oh, okay. <laughs> See, to me, flatbread is like, I I think maybe I've been disappointed because I'm expecting like a nice, like a nice buttery focaccia base. And then it just turns out to be pizza mm. crust. And I'm like, oh, come on. What was this even for? The other thing about flatbreads is that to me, they conjure up something that you eat with a fork and knife. Mm, interesting. Interesting. I would, I think of it as something that you would be like a toast. That you would grab with one hand and eat. Well, then why not call it a toast? Right, and then toasts are never really quite what I'm expecting. Yeah. I think the food industry is naming things peculiarly. Restaurants need to get their act together with what they call things on bread, is what you're saying? Yes. You dislike the name flatbread, but you're in on the concept? Or you like the name because you now know what you're getting? Um... It's sort of, I think the name is sort of like New Agey art, where it's like it upsets me so much and it causes a reaction <laughs> that therefore it's good. <laughs> yeah, all of the best art elicits strong reactions. <laughs> like, okay, fine. Right, exactly. So if flatbread, perfect, within that paradigm. Fine. I, you know, I'll let you run with that. If next time we go out to eat, you take me to a flatbread restaurant, though, I'm going to be pretty mad. Challenging. <laughs> All right, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter. Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. I don't think that we've got any emails yet, so please do email us. All I've got left is, worst luck to you, buddy. Worst luck to you, too.